Welcome to Around and Around the OCD Circle. My name is Elizabeth, and I have been living with obsessive compulsive disorder for over 60 years. I am not a therapist or a member of the medical community. I am just an ordinary person like yourself who will be sharing my thoughts and experiences with you with the hope that you will feel less alone. If you don't have OCD, I hope you will learn some information that will help you understand this disorder better. Some of the topics I will be covering may be triggering for you as a listener. If so, I apologize in advance. Since I don't know what your triggers are, please refer to the episode summary in the show notes before listening to each episode. If at any time you feel like hurting yourself or ending your life, please, please call the 988 Suicide and Crisis Lifeline by dialing 988 if you are in the United States. It is open 24 hours a day and you will be connected with the nearest crisis center to receive immediate counseling and local mental health referrals. Now, on to today's episode. Welcome back, everyone. I'm so glad you've joined me on another episode of Around and Around the OCD Circle. While I'm recording each episode, I have a photo in front of me of someone, it's usually a child, who I know has obsessive-compulsive disorder, and I pretend I'm talking to them. I wish I had your photo tacked to my computer, because I am speaking to you. I hope you are learning from this podcast. I know that each episode is short and sweet, but that's how I roll. I prefer to record in small chunks to give you time to digest the information. Maybe you just listen, or maybe you jot down ideas that can help you with this disorder. The main thing is that I don't want you to ever feel like you were alone. The topic for this episode is about guilt feeling guilty. And I've told you in previous episodes that I have what I call spells where I am obsessed with one single person for, it could be between six months and six years, right? But during that time, I also have other things that I'm obsessed with. And a lot of them are also involving people. And I always feel guilty. For instance, what I want to talk to you about right now is my father he, he and I played Words with Friends on our iPads. And if you're not familiar with Words with Friends, it's basically Scrapple. You make a word, you hit enter, and then it's the next turn, next person's turn to play. And then they play, and then it's the next one. You just go back and forth and back and forth, right? Well, I had this thing that if I did not do my turn before midnight that something bad was going to happen to my father. Either he was going to get sick or he was going to get hurt or he was going to die. And so every night for like three years, I was very, very conscientious and I always played my turn before midnight. But one night I was like two minutes late and I was freaking out and I couldn't call him to find out if he was okay. So I played my turn and then the next morning I called him and of course he was totally fine. Well, in December 5th of last year, my dad had a major fall in the morning, and he almost passed away. And I got to thinking about it, and I was just questioning myself, like, you know, what did I do wrong? Because I know I played my turn last night, 
And then I thought, well, you know, maybe I passed on my turn or maybe I swapped tiles and maybe I'm not supposed to swap tiles or, you know, um, maybe I'm supposed to make a word that's more than three letters or less than seven letters. Like I was making all of these rules for myself trying to justify for this fall of my dad's being all my fault when I couldn't come up with any reason why it was my fault. So then when he came home from the hospital a couple months later, he was locked out of his account, and so he wasn't playing the game anymore, so I felt like I was off the hook. I was like, okay, I don't have to worry about this anymore. Well, about a week ago, my dad informed me that he got back into his account, and he said, hey, I played my turn, but you haven't played your turn. And I went in there, and sure enough, he had been waiting for like four days for me to play my turn and nothing bad had happened to him and then I think it was last night yeah it was last night I was running really really late and I got busy doing other things and I forgot to play my turn and it was about 12:30 at night and again I was just totally freaking out and then I said to myself you know Elizabeth nothing bad happened the last time you did this, the last time you were late playing your turn, and one time when you did play your turn, Dad fell and almost died, one has nothing to do with the other, and so surprisingly, I was able to go to sleep last night. So I think maybe eventually this ritual will break itself, and I won't find so much anxiety, and I won't feel so much guilt. Um, I've been slowly reposting my old blog entries to my new blog and the new blog is around and around the OCD circle dot blogspot dot com. I've now finished reposting all of the articles from 2010 which was the first year I started blogging and I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the things I noticed from that year's entries. In 2010, I posted 96 entries from June 10th to December 31st, and I'm really amazed that I posted so often. Usually when I start a project, I rarely work on it. And here are some things I felt guilty about 13 years ago. It's amazing how some things change and some things stay the same. So I'm going to read these to you and maybe talk a little bit about them. This entry is October 2nd, 2010. This post was about my paternal grandmother, who I believe developed OCD during the last years of her life. And it goes like this. Today, I went to my 93-year-old grandmother's place to eat lunch with her and take her to Steinmark for some shopping. She is starting to rock really slow now. I find myself becoming impatient with her pace, and then in my head I heard, don't rush her. If you do, she will die, and you will wish she hadn't. At Steinmart, she walked and walked from display to display. We must have been in there over an hour. She couldn't find a blouse she was looking for after having returned one. I found myself picking blouses out for her, again, trying to move the slow process along. And again, I heard, in my head, if you rush her, she's going to die, and you'll wish she, you hadn't. I dropped her off on the sidewalk and watched as she walked slowly away, each painful step hurting her knee, wondering if it's the last time I will see her again. 
I hate the guilt, and one day certainly she will pass away. Will it be after a weekend when I rushed her and make me feel guilty, or will it be after a weekend when I didn't drive the forty-five miles to see her at all and make me feel guilty? Either way, I'm screwed. And no, we never did find a blouse she liked. So that was that was one entry, and my grandmother has since passed away. She she died at the age of one hundred one. She was um, it was eight years after this incident. There were many other times when I performed rituals to keep her safe and alive over the years, and I I wasn't with her when she died, but I was with her many days as she was on hospice, and I saw her a few hours before she passed. So I feel like I did the best that I could for her, and just goes to show you the guilt just keeps on coming. And here is another post. This one was posted October 16th, 2010. And this post was about a new minister in my church when I was in my 30s. It's ironic that a year or two after I met her, she became one of my obsessions. And this obsession was one of my shortest. It was maybe six months. This post was written many years later. I'm not sure why I didn't mention the obsession here. That's kind of strange to me. So it was titled, It's My Fault. It was around 1999. I liked her the first time I met her. She had come to pastor our church. We had lost our minister after 15 years and gone through a few interims who should have handed in the towel years ago. No one could fill this minister's shoes. And then she came along. Everything was going to be better. She was going to make everything right again. Our membership would soar and the pews would be filled. Wrong. She stepped in and the church went to you know where. She was a strict conservative and the majority of our members were quite liberal. Some left immediately upon hearing she was appointed, scattering like roaches when the lights come on. Others gave her one shot at it. Most of the remaining members started leaving, and we were down to just a few faithful followers who had been in that church since Ford invented the motor car. Well, not that long. It just got worse. She didn't want to do anything we had done before. Nothing. Our worship service changed, order and content. Our fellowship time changed. My ex and I left the church. About a year later, she was forced to resign. Anyway, I said a few things about her that I probably shouldn't have. She did have some big shoes to fill. But my goodness, she wouldn't even allow in the garden to be played at people's funerals. No one is going to tell me what I can have played at my funeral. Well, I'll be dead, but you know what I mean. Fast forward to this year. I'm involved in an e-prayer from that church. Hundreds of people from the past and present at that church are on it. I like it because I get to hear about people I knew long ago. I haven't seen her for at least ten years now. This woman's son, who is in his twenties, has been battling lymphoma for well over a year now. Just out of college, he was looking forward to his life. I'm sure. Good job, a wife, and family. It wasn't meant to be. Thursday, after about 18 months and lots of prayer from the church who forgave this woman for being such a lousy minister, 
I got the email I had been hoping for. The young man was now in remission and doing extremely well. The doctors were going to have to continue being very diligent with his case, but at least he was getting some time to rest, with no treatments, some time to actually enjoy his life. I was so happy for her whole family. Then Friday morning, I got another email. Her husband just dropped dead in their house that morning. Wow, guess who feels guilty for that? Me. Ugh. Now, I have since seen her on Facebook, and it appears that she's been remarried, and she's very happy. So I'm not sure if her son survived or not, but I literally felt that the way I had felt about her, the things I had said about her, you know, not in public, but just in my head, had caused her husband to drop dead and her son to be sick. I'm happy to announce that Around and Around the OCD Circle podcast now has a Facebook page, a private, safe space where we can share our OCD experiences with others. Topics such as obsessions, intrusive thoughts, and rituals will be discussed by members who can relate to one another because we all have one thing in common, obsessive compulsive disorder. You are not alone. Join us, won't you? on the Around and Around the OCD Circle Facebook page. The link is in the show notes. Hope to see you there. All right, and then this post was from December 16th, 2010, and now this post is about my maternal grandmother. So here it goes. It says, My grandmother is in intensive care in Florida with no family around her. As soon as I heard this on Monday, my thought was, I didn't send the recap. You see, each week I mail my grandmother a recap from the amazing race from the Mrs. Loudshoes blog. Things have gotten so hectic around here that I had not had the time to print it out for last week's episode, so there you go. Of course, something should happen to her, and I feel like it's my fault. I have since said it out loud and on this blog. Hopefully that will take care of it. I was probably closest with this grandmother for the fact that we liked a lot of the same shows. Soap operas, Amazing Race, and Survivor. And we could literally talk for hours about anything because she lived so far away since childhood. Every time we drove away or she drove away from me, I always said to myself, this is the last time I will see her alive. And she lived well into her 90s. So, as you can see here, my obsession is definitely centered around people. It always has been. And it continues to this day. The difference is that now I have identified what makes the obsession start. So, I can hopefully keep new ones from starting. It isn't easy, but I'm telling you, OCD can be managed. It's a lot of work. But with some time, a good therapist, you can do this. In future episodes, I'm going to be discussing some more of the blog posts from 2010, specifically things I worried about back then. And I will start deconstructing each obsession, talking about how each one began, the rituals I performed, the duration, and the closure to each one. 
I would also like to interview some people who have this disorder. So if you're interested in being a guest on my show, please email me at around and around the OCD circle at gmail.com or contact me through one of my social media platforms, which are listed in the show notes. If you know someone else who would like to be a guest, I would appreciate it if you would send them my way. That's all for this episode. Keep smiling and pushing through it. I'm in your corner. You can do it.